environment. everyone thanks for tuning in to the air environment i'm the urban pastor jamin bradley and she's the one that you're here for it's the environmental scientist aaron shot i tried uh, to do a drum roll but then i realized i just looked like i was paddling at the air (laughs) (laughs) that's fine i mean that's kind of what a drum roll is Uh, the Jackson Cloud is an online church based out of Jackson, Michigan, but you can join from anywhere, as evidenced by the fact that Erin lives in Scotland. And she hates it when I use whatever accent that was, which was probably not <laughs> Scottish. Uh, we are coming together to continue a series that's happening all across the Jackson Cloud Network. It's happened at Nerd Church the last few weeks. It's happened in our Jackson Cloud YouTube channel. And now it happens on the Air Environment, where we'll be talking about the verse, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In fact, uh, if you're watching this live on our Jackson Cloud Twitch, that was the conversation on our YouTube channel just this morning. So the conversation now continues. Indeed it does. Uh, not intentional, by the way. I definitely wrote this before. <laughs> I was not aware it was the same week. Good planning <laughs> on my part. Um, so before we get into the main topic, I want to talk about two good things that happened in, for the environment this week. So it's Ooh. been a pretty good week, uh, especially stateside. Uh, two the United things States. in one week? What is this? I know. I feel like I'm overwhelmed with like good things. So next week I'll have to make less good things. Um, <laughs> the United States re-entered the Paris Climate Accord, which, if you don't know, is an agreement within like the UN Climate Conference, uh, where the law, their long-term goal of the 196 nations who signed on to this, uh, have agreed to keep the increase in global average temperature to well below two point not 2.2 degrees Celsius, which is 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, above pre-industrial levels, and to pursue efforts to limit the increase of 1.5 degrees Celsius, 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, recognizing that this would substantially reduce the risks and impacts of climate breakdown. So essentially, we're saying, hey, climate breakdown is a thing. We're going to take steps to reduce our impact, and we have actual like standards that we have to meet within so many years. Uh, This is great. Great for everyone. Great for the planet. Uh, Another piece of good news is that the Keystone XL pipeline has been canceled. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm just checking the stream. That's uh, was that a Michigan thing or was that something else? No, that uh, was mostly like North Dakota. So if you don't know, it's an oil pipeline from like Alberta, Canada to the U.S. It's basically just transferring crude oil. While it is technically better than shipping crude oil in uh, like trucks around, uh, it has like obvious environmental like impacts, implications of using fossil fuels. But pipelines like this often leak poison 
leak and poison groundwater in areas surrounding in similar pipelines. So um, that's why many indigenous lands and peoples were at risk for a number of reasons, including the aforementioned water pollution uh, to damaging of sacred sites. So cancellation of that is like very good for the environment, hugely exciting. Now, does that go through the Great Lakes at all? Because I just remember like Michigan was having a conversation about something so the great lakes problem now right now is that nestle is pumping water out of the state of michigan to bottle and sell (gasps) they've been doing that for a while like i think most uh, there was something like seventy thousand signatures were like please don't do this and a bunch of places were a lot of most most people in michigan agree that we should not be pumping out our own water because the great lakes the great lakes are 23 percent of the world's um fresh water so three percent of the water on earth is fresh water and 23 percent of that is the great lakes so it is our most valuable national resource and out of even though all the lakes are in one giant water system known as the Great Lakes Water Basin, uh, the only one that this, the United States actually owns the entirety of is Lake Michigan because it's the only one that doesn't share a border with Canada. So, uh, yeah, it's just like pumping water out of the state is actually pumping water out of the lakes, and that's concerning because we want to maintain those water levels. And this year, I don't know if you noticed... <laughs> This supposed to be good. Now we're talking about sad things. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've had less ice than normal, which isn't great for when they melt. The lakes won't go up to their usual, their usual level, which is concerning. Um, but once two steps in the right direction, that's good. That's good things happening. I have one more question. <laughs> go for it, Jamin. Is this pipeline the thing that like sent us into like the 2004 blackout or something i don't think so you remember standing rock where all those uh like indigenous people were protesting this uh not off the top of my head but that's what this is imagining it okay just i i remember the blackout did you get hit by that i don't think so i don't remember it like a fifth of the states just like shut down energy like we had nothing because something blew up somewhere oh, i think that was okay. i thought that just happened well, in new york i don't know no I, that yeah. was that was michigan work. that was a that was a lot of places anyways it doesn't matter more about stuff at that age <laughs> what was i like 13 <laughs> i should have cared more anyway <laughs> we were playing monopoly in the pitch black around a candle I was making memories that night, and then we started yelling at each other, and then my friend beat us all. Yeah, your mistake. And then my brother got mad. Which is a board game designed to not be fun, so good job. (laughs) Yeah, well, anyways, the meek, or sorry, now that I've derailed you several times. The meek shall inherit the earth, indeed. Uh, So yeah, I've been following along with Beatitudes that you've been doing, and I... I did, when I was reading with them, I did keep coming back and thinking about how the meek shall inherit the earth. And I promised you when I wrote this, I did not know you were going to talk about it. Totally fine. Um, But, like, thinking about your episode and talking about, like, how we interpret the word meek. um, Like, the mention of gentle was brought up and I 
thought that was really poignant to think about it. It's like the gen people who are gentle to the planet shall inherit the earth. And I found that very, very appealing to me from a conservation point of view, like uh, as a person who wants to lessen my impact, I think that is me being gentle to a planet. And if I'm gentle to it, then I uh, give people the ability to inherit a nice planet. So if we teach people to be nice to it, then they will inherit a good earth. Um, but I want to briefly touch on this because I feel like it's going to come up a little bit, uh, only because it was, I couldn't unthink about it today. And I want to talk about between earth and land. So the Greek word here is the same, right? It's the same word, right? Greek, Greek does that a lot where it's a word, but then it's two words. Well, earth and land can pretty much be the same word in English, too, right? It just depends on which way you're assuming of it you got. Earth as a globe. You have earth as I picked it up. This is nice and earthy. And then you've got... So, it can be the same. But I know in English, when we think, like, land versus earth, you're usually thinking of boundaries versus planet, I guess. Yeah, I was just like, to me, when when you were saying land, I just felt like it was like compartmentalizing, like, you only get this land. And I'm like, are we talking about like property inheritance discussion? Or are we talking about... But then then I was like, maybe it's just like colonialism, like me being like, ah, the only land that you get is the land you conquer, like a territory, which I was like, probably not the best way to think that through. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's that song, right? This land is my land. It is not your land. I don't remember. <laughs> it's probably not the word. It's my land. This land is your land. You sang at the inauguration. I do not remember it. I don't worship the state. I don't know. I mean, that's but, fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, a lot of times when you think of land, you think of those, like, boundary marker, Michigan is here, you know, and then the, you right. move into a... Another land, the bad lands of Ohio, if you keep going down and and just kidding. Uh, But yeah, you think of separation. I think the reason on the Jackson Cloud, I kept using the word land instead of you'll inherit the earth is because so many of the Beatitudes, I think, are supposed to be intentionally backwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Jesus is almost making like his own heavenly kingdom political statements. So like politics or kingdoms usually think if we have enough nukes and enough power and enough authority and enough military, we can inherit whatever land we want. So like if a earthly idea is like, uh, blessed are the prideful for they shall, uh, take the land. Then Jesus comes. It's like, it's actually the meek, the gentle, the humble, Right. Who will actually inherit it in the end because it's all mine and I give it away to who I choose. So, And all the other ones are like that too. Usually poor in spirit, don't get what they want. It's the high-spirited, high-energy people and this and that. So that right, was the reason. When you think about me, you think of like, like downtrodden and people who can't like mm-hmm. lift themselves up. And so they probably wouldn't have land to inherit. So that makes yeah. sense. And meek is a hard word because there's really no, there's no, from what I understand, there's no perfect English word that matches that Greek word. So like meek is what we usually use, but like it's not exactly what it's the best to say. definition. 
version of it. Yeah. Right. That's why I like I like I enjoyed the thought of like gentle. Like so, if we mm-hmm. pe- the people who are gentle would inherit the earth, but that also, I mean, you could argue that um, people who are downtrodden are a little more gentle to the planet because they can't, they don't have, they don't have the luxuries of like constant consumption like the rest of us. Um, mm-hmm. So you could kind of make that argument, but like as you say, Greek Greek is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think it makes Our for a fun. Comp- <laughs> what was that? It's Hebrew, isn't it? No, it's Greek because no, it's Testament. New Testament. You're good. It's okay. all Greek to me. <laughs> uh, I think you uh, you take an interesting route, though. You know, like back then, you could probably see that when you touch the earth, like you impact it and create problems, but not on such a wide scale as we see it today. You know, like right. we can measure invisible forces that are <laughs> <laughs> impacting the environment, whereas they have no idea that these things like even really exist. Not so, really looking at the it, laws of thermodynamics, are, <laughs> are they? Yeah. I mean, this might not have been fully what they had in mind, but it throws an interesting kind of Jesus spin on it. Because we know that God cares about the earth. He put us here to take care of it. That was a big part of the mission was make the earth look like what it's supposed to look like. So if right. that's why we're here, then there is like, even if it wasn't the original implication, and I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of that, but there's this kind of like hint of it, of those who, yeah, treat the land well. Yeah. Get it. I mean, and when I was looking up verses about like protecting the environment and talking about it, um, like some of them did mention like land. So Leviticus 25, 23 through 24 the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants throughout the country that you hold as possession. You must provide for the redemption of the land. And like that, you can replace the phrase, the word land every time. And it would still kind of with earth and it would still mean the same thing because he goes out of his way to mention the country that you hold as a possession. Like there's a distinction between country and land and earth. Um, which is really poignant, I think. Yeah, there's also... Um, oh, dang it, I had a thought based on what you were Catch saying. It. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I caught it. C.S. Lewis, uh, right. his book, Pilgrim's Regress, if you, have you ever read that book? Mm-mm. I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention when I audiobooked that one. I also haven't read Pilgrim's Progress. Have you read that book? I have read Pilgrim's Progress, yes. I imagine Pilgrim's Regress stands out a lot more if you know what it's satiring. But yes. Pilgrim's Regress, God is constantly uh, referred to as the landlord. Um, and I think that's like a good kind of... Yeah, I don't know. Something you just said made that pop to me. Like, you have been handed the land to take care of. It's not yours. It's God's. Oh, when he says the aliens you to take care of it. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's like distributed to you, but it's not yours. It's God's. And now how are you going to treat this land? And C.S. Lewis had had some... He was fairly, I think... uh, Progressive isn't the word I'm looking for. Because it would have been old school at the time. Right. <laughs> but I remember a quote at the time where maybe he was talking radical. 
<laughs> radical. Yeah, I think he was just talking about how like roads and cars were taking over everything and like that he had like this semblance of this radical idea of like what what's going to happen to nature along the way if we keep allowing everything to and I I'll find, I'll look for the quote while you keep talking. Oh wait, no, I can't. Everyone's watching this on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is watching it on Twitch. I'll try on my phone. I'm not ignoring you. Continue. <laughs> well, I mean, that's an excellent point where we're talking about, like, our impact on, on the earth and what we leave to those who will inherit. Like, Isaiah 24, 4 through 6 says, The earth dries up and withers, and the world languishes and withers, and the exalted of the earth languish. The earth is defiled by its people, and they have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth, and its people must bear their guilt. Uh, therefore, the earth's inhabitants are burned up, and there are very few left. Like, there's some not great things there, but uh, I like to I like to look exactly like the earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws and violated statues. Like, like God's the landlord, and we're tenants, and we haven't followed our tenancy contract, our tenant tenant contract, where he said take care of it, and we said nah. Uh, situation. And that's that's another something to think about. Um, but like, that's such a depressing verse, and I actually really want to shift away from it, <laughs> just because I don't like talking about like depressing. Well, verse. is that verse like an ultimate like in Judgment Day verse, or is it like it's, a declaration it's, of no, something? No, it's more something. God. God asking to take care of His creation. I don't actually remember the context around it, only because. I just have a list of these from when I was actually reading the Bible. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't remember what happens in Isaiah 24, but um, I, I just use it as an example of like God's telling us to take care of the planet, and um, like we as people have we have the right to defile it, but we also have the right to make it prosper. Um, so like. We we have free will basically. Our our the actions and the way we take care of our planet is in our own hands. Yep. Yeah, and I think you see that from beginning to end. I mean, one of the one of the things that's always bothered me on the global warming uh, conversation is like uh, those who want to deny it always have one specific reason as to why. Sorry. Christians who want to deny it tend to have one specific reason as to why, which is the, well, God promised never to flood the earth again. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, well, he's not flooding the earth and global warming. We are. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting like, that you say, like, from beginning to end, because, like, it is mentioned, like, the, the, us caring for the earth is mentioned in both Genesis and in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Well, let me find it in my notes here because because yeah people people do say oh he promised he'd never flood the earth again i'm like well god isn't necessarily flooding the earth like we're yeah. flooding the earth god has no part in that yeah and i think that's part of the difficulty with things like that is like god all throughout the bible turns people over to the consequences of whatever they decide to do like yeah also from beginning <laughs> to we're not, it. It is free we're not, choice. We're free of way. sin, not of consequence for our actions. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And so, like, sure, 
you know, the flood in the Bible is God intentionally choosing this consequence upon them. But like the like the predictions of water rising and, you know, whatever form of flood you do with global global warming, like this is a statement about humans flooding the earth, not God flooding it. So right. the yeah. response time and time again, I think if we're just if we're listening, we have to recognize that God is God cares about the environment. Yeah. He repeatedly asks us to take care of his creation. It's not, it's like, an, it's definitely woven throughout all of it. Like literally said, beginning to end, Genesis one twenty six, let us make man in our image, our likeness, and let them rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all creatures that move along the ground. Like he made us caretakers of those things. And then in Revelations 11.18, which, <laughs> again, Revelations the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants and the prophets and your saints and those whose reverence your name, both small and great, and for those and destroying those who destroy the earth. Now, I know there's a lot to take in there and I hate to like cherry pick parts of verses, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> and it just well, it does make like a mention like destroying those who destroy the earth, like very much like don't destroy the planet. You've taken care of it. Beginning to end. Whole whole spectrum of the Bible. Like it's a constant thread. Mm. Here. I think you uh, see in Job and Jesus too. If you're going to image God like you were saying. Then that means that you take care of the earth. Because God does that. Like how much of Job is. Do you know what's going on with an ostrich. And a lion. And right? how they get their food. And this and that. It's like I'm taking care of it. And Jesus with this. The birds don't have to worry. God provides, you know, like how yeah, much absolutely. more will he provide for you? So if God cares about taking care of the earth and everything that's on it, even animals and not made in his image, then of course, of course, it would mean if we are to image God, then we would do the same thing. Yeah. And it's really great. I love Job. And if you want to hear more about what I have to say about Job, you can obviously listen to some older episodes of the air environment. Um, because I definitely go over, we go over it more in depth there. But uh, I really like that in Job, when God is trying to talk to about us about his hand and what he's done, he doesn't point directly to man. He points to other create creation, like um, in 12, 7 through 10. Uh, but ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds of the air and they will tell you, or speak of the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In this hand, the every creature and the breath of all mankind. Mm-hmm. Like God sees fit to to point to those in nature who are in a sense like weaker than we are, but like they have the knowledge that God can be found around them and that God has held their holds their lives in their hands and they're less intelligent mm-hmm. as far as we know. Um, uh, that also reminds me, I'm, I'm just tangenting left and right, but that that's fine. <laughs> well, I have a thing that will bring us all back together. It's okay. We okay. can all day. Well, the, the Bible actually uh, pretty regularly, if I remember right, you come across these, phrases that make the earth sound weird because it looks like the earth is judging us uh (laughs) more or less like the earth bears witness to what we have done uh it's almost as though 
in a courtroom setting, all of nature fills the um, jury. I was going to say jury, but those are the people that make the decisions. Who are the ones who the witness stand? Uh, They take the witness stand to like bear witness to what humanity has done. Um, You could probably say partially to itself, but there's also this idea of like God has eyes everywhere, you know, like in Narnia, like the trees they're (laughs) they're always watching. Don't speak too loudly. You know, it's almost like that picture is kind of not painted like that in the Bible, but like, Everything bears witness to what humanity does to it and can speak on behalf of of our character and mm-hmm. and whatnot. So we recognize too, and I know that I'm creating kind of a funny picture of a tree taking the witness stand and <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing a bird, but yeah, that that's <laughs> but like just all <laughs> all of creation bearing witness to like our character and if part of our character is like how you treated creation then yeah absolutely how many vegetables will say you killed me for what reason you left this bag of carrots in the fridge you never ate me at least seven (laughs) at least seven at least seven vegetables (laughs) uh well i'm like talking about like how we care for the earth and fertile land like Another another verse I really like, and then also happens to just talk about land, is Jeremiah 2.7. I brought to you a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. Like, that's directly pointing to what you were just saying. Like, like you just have to look at it and witness, like, this was bad. Um, and it... it I like it because it directly says land and then inheritance. And <laughs> it's a nice like mirror to how the meek shall inherit the earth and how uh, this inheritance that we could have been given are not great and we need to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Like you can directly point to it like a connection about land use and like how uh, people burn down the rainforest to replace it with farmland and we've taken a perfectly wonderful ecosystem that contributes to our overall health as a species and turn it into something that c- will slowly degrade the land that it's on um, so we and like we ruin soil for oil like it happens as people so oil so oil <laughs> soil <laughs> anyway <laughs> don't do that yeah. it'll degrade into that very quickly <laughs> <laughs> well, areas that um, are desolate throughout the Bible are always kind of pictured as like anti-God areas or anti-creation in many ways. So like demons, for example, throughout the Bible were thought to dwell in the wilderness or in the desert because like that's a place associated with death in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing... Nothing could thrive, even if it could live out there. It couldn't thrive, so like that was where, where dead things, like dead spirits, would belong. Uh, and then you see Jesus himself, even you know, when you cast out a demon, they go through waterless places, uh, and perhaps another reference to like the desert. So when you look at references like that, and you realize that the Bible often considers like 
dead areas, anti-life areas, broken areas as like the antithesis of what God would want on the earth and the place where where the antithesis of life exists and the enemy even exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all starts to make like, you know, starts to line up for God to be like, I came here planting a garden. When you do things that create this kind of death out there, that's that's not what what my plan or mission for you was. Yeah. It's actually the the next D and D campaign I'm making right now. I <laughs> now I'm segueing again. But there no, it's is a sci fi you were mentioning that all I could talk <laughs> about was Fangorn Forest and Lord of the Rings, so you're fine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, you should go there too. But the first it's a sci fi campaign and the first planet I built with a race there is a a tree race that more or less like never fell for sin at the beginning mm. and their entire job is just to keep cultivating the entire planet until it looks like a garden and so like more or less the idea was i was painting was what if the mission of eden had never gotten sidetracked and as you had children they just kept going out and making the earth look good until the whole thing was exactly how god wanted it and right yeah i was i the image that i brought up is because um places that are like deserts of biodiversity basically are lack of life and the reason i thought of that is like the destruction of fangorn forest when you see those ends walk out of this beautiful lush it's covered in moss you see all these tiny little plants everything is it there's little flowers on some of the ants and some of the trees like it's just full of vibrant life in it even if it's not something that like is obvious like like animals or woodland creatures you can look at the trees and see like small little ecosystems and then as they walk out where it's torn apart the the absolute like absence of biodiversity has like a silence and a death knell to it. And so I just was like instantly just imagining the ends like walking out of Fangorn and seeing like every <laughs> their friends gone and Yeah. Um so it's an, it's an appropriate like thing to associate like a desert with I mean not not like deserts have their own ecosystems, but like a deserted tree like forested area as like an absence of like God because there's an absence of life from there's no there's it's like no nothing here is abundant um so yeah nerd church no (laughs) (laughs) we just went there (laughs) uh you said you had something that would bring everything around was that yeah so we have no it wasn't so i was like what has this got to do with science um because because this is the air environment podcast i know we were talking a lot about like specific verses and how it makes us feel but uh like what does inheriting the meek inheriting the earth have to do with science and i was looking around for a while and i found this uh person called the science missioner and they sound like uh, basically a missionary and they do sermons and this really good quote from this is uh, science has given us the means to not live gently on the earth so this goes back to my like gentle uh, science was behind the innovation of the industrial revolution and the use of fossil fuels to provide energy. 
First coal, then oil. Even today, science and technology allows us to indulge ourselves to the point of forcing other species to the brink of extinction. Fishing fleets, to give one example, can pinpoint with incredible accuracy where the fish stocks are, and to gather so, and so many as to completely, like, remove the entire species of an area with deadly consequences. Um, we might think of science technology that gave us plastics and what has led to them in terms of pollution, useful though as they are. But just as science might inadvertently enable us to harm the earth, it allows us to see and understand the harm that we're doing and to find means of undoing the damage. We have new technologies in different areas, most notably the energy tech sector. We have all these different alternatives and they provide us ways to live gently on the earth and care for it and leave something there for people to inherit. That's good, you brought it around. Yeah, bring it around. <laughs> SpongeBob, anyway. Yeah, that's what I thought you were doing, but I didn't want to say it. I'm so happy that you were. We need a round town. Oh, please! And now no one ever listened again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. No, those are all. Those are all fair. I think technological innovation in general is kind of a. I forgot what the expression is. I was going to say two-edged sword, but I think it's more double like double-sided, sword? double-sided coin. I, I, I well, know. there's a is a two-edged sword, yeah. Like, yep. It's like a Darth Maul lightsaber. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it comes with its benefits and its negatives, and often, sometimes the negatives can like super outweigh if we're not. Careful. careful yeah yeah so cool well anything else you need to hit on before we head out i'll hit my computer uh no i'm good <laughs> all right well in that case uh this has been a jamin accidentally sidelining aaron episode of the air environment good we like these episodes <laughs> yes where we just we were talking about D and Lord of the Rings at one point, but it's fine. <laughs> it was all within the line of thought, kind of. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot more episodes you can check out on the Air Environment Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we are currently streaming these live on Twitch every once in a while, so go to Jackson Cloud on Twitch and like slash follow slash slash subscribe to us there to to keep Woo. up with that. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.